Tschüss. Hello. 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 How you all doing? This is Alternative Tuna. Woo! A third ever Alternative Tuna pan fried episode in which we discuss songs that are not on the regular playlist, but songs that are on the Alternative Tuna playlist. Mm. If you're confused by the two playlists, they're named so that you're not. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll find these songs on our Alternative Tuna Season 2 playlist and they'll be the last nine songs on there in case you can't find them, but you will be able to now. Absolutely, and the themes we have this week are musicals, instrumentals, and international. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. So they're on two separate playlists, so we'll have to read them out. So do we have a word from our sponsor? We do, from MJ Supplies. Thank you uh, for supplying us with, with our, our sponsorship with our MJs for any of your grit and gravel needs please go over to MJ Supplies they're on eBay they're on Amazon uh, on Amazon it's MJH Supplies because someone else took up MJ Supplies as their name so just in case you were trying to find your gravel on MJ Supplies and couldn't find it on Amazon <laughs> you're MJH Supplies so remember that order it is very good 100% positive feedback as of yet and he's a good guy deserves the money Deserves everything that's getting through. And aye, good. Right, well, I'm going to threaten you once again that if you don't give us any stuff, then we're going to come at you. Uh, smear campaign is my next option. Uh, I'm going to go and put in a bunch of negative reviews for you. I will block them all. <laughs> with my fist. So, just want to make it clear, there is no beef between Tuna Boot Podcast and MJ, MJ Supplies as of yet. But there very well could be if we do not see the gravel coming in. <laughs> Until we get broken lo- broken rocks through our letterboxes. We're not I have got my cock ring. I'm chuffed. <laughs> you guys still have something to get. Even if Marty, if you could get these guys a wee cock ring, I'm sure they'd be chuffed. Something little, tide them over until the grit comes in a bit more, you know. Till you stop, well, not comes in a bit more until you stop pushing out at such the rate that you are. <laughs> which is mental. I have no need for grit, but I want it. Yeah, I kind of I, I want my grit to also go through Jim's letterbox so he has lots of grit in his hallway. I mean, even just uh, a glass cutting pen, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the guys would be chuffed with that as well. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that he's getting this on the cheap and then reselling it for a lot more, so... Get get me the get me the cheap ones. No 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 no. He buys the highest quality <laughs> and puts it out at a reasonable price for all. Thank you, MJ Supplies. <laughs> so You're doing us all a favour. Um, and um, this is alternative tuna. <laughs> so should you like and subscribe, Liam? You should lickety likey and subscribey muchly. Positively <laughs> very. <laughs> Um, okay. Right. (laughs) So the tracks we discussed this week are from the musical round, You'll Be Back from the Hamilton soundtrack, Movie In My Mind from the Miss Saigon original cast, Moving Too Fast from the last five years, and then for the instrumental week you have Father Bird, Mother Bird from Krangbin, (laughs) YYZ from Rush, Helicon One from Mogwai and for International Week you have Quantuila from Sylvie Vartan you have Trouble from Chef Special and you have 
We Gwynib Yao from Super Furry Animals. That was impressive. You seem like you're gunning for a job on like Mastermind or something to read out shit. I did look up how to pronounce that. <laughs> so, first track. Oh, it's me, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's the return of the track. Like, return of the Mac. That's all I've got this week. Track the knife. Track the knife, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay, dokie. So I'm first up this week. Hugh Trackman. I had that Did already. That. Smashing. Right, so <laughs> I have the song You'll Be Back. You'll Be Track. Hey, <laughs> This guy, right here. That one. That fucking guy. Pointing right. to Liam. Yes. Who <laughs> didn't see that, obviously. Okay, okay. So it's "You'll Be Back" from the from the Hamilton soundtrack, sung by Jonathan Groff. Groff, aye. aye. Groff. Okay, so it's like one of those coughs that you get, but you get that little groggy bit at the back. You're like, aye, so aye, so I. Uh, I got, your jokes are back. That's good. Your jokes are track. Jokes are. Jokes are track. <laughs> Oi. Hello. Your jokes are track. I hope that's your new thing, by the way. Hi-oh! Hi-oh! Well, it's better than... What is that um, Tim Allen thing from his... What was it? <laughs> no, that's, not, that's fucking Yoda. Oh, <laughs> 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 no! All right, so our first round of Alternative Tuna Pan Fry Season 2, our second episode thereof, is musicals. Now, as you guys know, I'm not really a big fan of musicals. What clarify again, just in case I didn't on the last one, I don't have a problem with musicals, it's just not my thing. I don't want musicals to stop existing, I love how much they mean to people and I love them for that, but it's just not my thing, generally speaking, although I'm sort of getting there now, right? So for my first track, I've chosen You'll Be Back from the Hamilton soundtrack. Oh, I dribbled again. Dougal just dribbled. Um, <laughs> Alright, so. Alright, so. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys made a pact to just speak as soon as I start talking? <laughs> if you want to put me on edge, that's. No, that's we are. No, no, okay. But you're gonna now. No, no, no. no, 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 no we'll see. Alright. Dreadly Dougal. See you back there. go! See you back there. I'm on the soundtrack. I chose that because my girlfriend Becky uh, introduced me to it and I think it's really good and I really enjoyed the show. Jim, not Jim, 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 slower. For the people at home. Well, just because I thought I need no, to get no, as no. much in. No, 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 just Cam, it's fine. So I chose Dribble you. Doodle. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I chose you'll be back from the Hamilton soundtrack. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You've heard of the rule of three now. <laughs> Liam's rule of four. <laughs> Fourth time when it's Arguably funnier. funnier. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to take so much longer than the last one. Right, no. Sorry. Come on. Come on. Do it. So I chose you'll be back, and I hope you are back. And don't, please don't count this as the level of quality. They're just trying to rile me, and it's a lot of fun, and we do love each other very much. But I chose this song because my partner Becky loves loves the musicals, <laughs> and I'm not a fan, as I've just outlined. But we watched Hamilton when when it came on Disney Plus, and I very much enjoyed it. I th- think that. Lynn manuel Miranda is just possibly one of the most talented human beings alive. Although he cannot play guitar, I learned from an interview recently, he, play, he writes his songs on the piano and he can't play the guitar. So I feel like we're almost on par because I kind of can play guitar. So mm-hmm. 
we're pretty much there anyway watch this musical uh, that's on Disney Plus and absolutely fucking loved it I don't know why I love this compared to any other ones that I've seen I'm not sure why I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that my main issue with musicals is people singing the story which sounds a bit reductive because obviously that's what's going to happen because there isn't much dialogue in a lot of musicals some of them there are obviously a lot of it is just all sung and Hamilton is all completely sung there isn't any moments of just dialogue where, character, where uh, actors are just acting opposite each other it's all through song but for some reason but I think it's because this has a historical context to it and because it's all things that have actually happened obviously he plays fast and loose with things at certain points and certain things that you know he, he bent it a little bit to kind of fit his own narrative which is fine but generally speaking it's all historically accurate and so when you're sort of spitting out facts but you're doing it in a musical way that's quite interesting I for some reason don't have a problem with that other than I do when it's like some green witch is shitting at someone for not doing something or whatever you know like if, if there's if there's this I'm trying to think of another I don't, I'm not up on my musical but you know like if there's a scene between two people where you know there's some sort of dramatic tension trying to be expressed within it yeah they sing it rather than act it and I feel like that dilutes the dramatic tension mm-hmm. that's just my own interpretation I'm not saying musicals well, are bad because of that yeah well to sum it up from what I know about you and your disdain for a lot of musicals is when we went to see the film of Les Mis together that's right it's by no means a perfect film mm-hmm. it's not a very good film it's just sang quite well from quite a few people apart from Russell Crowe and Beef <laughs> I don't have beef with Russell Crowe I quite <laughs> like him <laughs> not that I booted a song from one of his films the last fucking thing we filmed no that's coming out the after so we can't put that in um, but to like sum it up <laughs> just got that <laughs> glad you sorry when uh, when we went to see Les Mis together me and Jim mm. there was a moment where um, they asked Jean Valjean what his name is and he sings 24601 and that was the moment that Jim left the cinema. It wasn't that moment, actually. Was it not? I know. That was the moment that no, no, I whole, thought you did. No, your whole... Because I get what you're saying. I've told the story many times before. So, like, I'll just briefly do it very quickly. So, there's, from what I can remember, like, the opening scene of Les Mis is, like, this amazing camera shot. Camera shot? This amazing shot where it's, like... Fucking hell, I was waiting on about this amazing shot where it's going through the rigging of these boats and you see these slaves and they're pulling on these big ropes trying to, I don't know what they're trying to pull, pull a ship <laughs> <laughs> or whatever and he goes look down look down and it's got all this fucking shit going on and I was like yeah you know what fuck it musicals are great I love it mm-hmm. right and it got to the bit where was it what who's who's Jean Valjean and who's Javert uh, Hugh Jackman Jean Valjean and, right so uh, Crow's Javert so Russell Crowe sings like so Hugh Jackman says, I'm 24601, whatever. And Russell Crowe goes, and I'm Javert. Oh, yeah, that was it, yeah. And I, I fucking lost it. And I was like, <laughs> nobody in traditional storytelling sh- shouts or sings their own name. And at that, I was, I was a lot younger at the time, obviously. But I was just like, oh, this is fucking damn, I hate them, right? And then they wouldn't stop singing and all that. I've, I've grown to like a lot of the songs from the soundtrack. Mm. they've got some cracking songs in the soundtrack you can't argue that but it's really interesting to sit in a cinema and watch a guy 
leave the cinema without leaving the cinema and that's what I watched when that's exactly what happened right so I thought right well at some point they will stop and they will talk to each other and they didn't and they just kept singing everything and that's that's the problem I have fundamentally with a lot of musicals that I'm warming to them now because I've kind of I've understood how they work now so I'm a little bit more on board with it so I don't hate every musical across the board and I haven't watched any other than Hamilton really but um yeah, I just, I, I just, it's, I hate like exposition in films is usually handled badly. Like that's the first thing you can tell in a bad film when just information has to be given to the audience. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. Good writers, good filmmakers can do it without you noticing. Bad writers just have them spell everything out to you. Yeah. So musicals do that constantly. That's pretty much all it is. But with fantastic songs and production value and all this, and I know that's why you're there. Well, even then, musicals follow a fundamental rule where they have their opening number, which mm-hmm. is the big sort of like, yeah, we're all here, yeah, okay, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. And then they have the "This Is Me" song, essentially, where the character gets their song to introduce themselves, mm-hmm. and ca- the important characters in a musical all get this song mm-hmm. in a well-written musical, mm-hmm. and it's the fundamental, it's the sort of dichotomy that you get between you don't want to spell everything out but if you're writing a good musical yeah you get introduced to a character through the music mm-hmm. so you have this i don't want to have everything spelled out but here's a character telling me everything about them through music yeah and there's a way to do that like you say good writers will do that in a way that i'm pretty sure lin-manuel miranda will do yep. where it's just like you're getting fed the information but you don't necessarily notice whereas okay. bad musicals will come in sort of like a okay, horror picture show nails that because every single character have their own uh, songs like uh, Sweet Transvestite and Damn It Janet where you get the feel of the character but they just explain that one moment in their in their lives yeah. and yeah. not their entire being but the difference between that is they explain it but it's a musical number that's fun yeah whereas some of them just are basically shouting the information at you mm. with a piano and that's that's the thing that I always fucking yeah. Maybe you've not watched the right musicals it's like for you. Fucking, well, exactly. I haven't watched a lot, so I'm not the one to ask. Yeah. By the way, so it's like fucking Oliver. I don't like Oliver as a musical. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty bad. And there are these songs where you've got like the two guys who look after Oliver come in and sort of sing about why they're looking after him, and then Oliver comes in and sings about himself, and then Fagin pops in and sings about himself, and it's like, I know what you're doing. Stop doing it. Yeah. I did that in fucking sixth year at school mm-hmm. I produced a musical bar- um, the Oliver musical and I rewrote half the scenes because they were just absolutely <laughs> dog shit like that's when you know it's bad when a fucking 17 year old's going I can do better no matter how cocky you are like there's that fundamental point of we'll just put this on as opposed to going nah this is dog give it to me this is trash I'll do better like I'll cut out half the fluff that but explains you so much more anyway anyway <laughs> Anyway, back to Hamilton. Uh, no, 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 well, well, back to Liam is. It got halfway through, Nan stopped finishing the singing, and I had a lighter in my pocket, and I just started to roll the flint in my thumb, just for any other sensation of what was going on in the movie, because I just wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> and then I, I hit the gas, and then it lit for a second, and mm-hmm. I thought, if I slightly set my trousers on fire, <laughs> I can leave. <laughs> Right, because I didn't just want to walk out. I didn't want to ruin it for anyone. And I remember thinking, like, Dougal loves, like, likes this music, likes this sort of thing, and he's worked on a production of it before. Don't ruin this for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, just 
and it wasn't just yeah, it was uh, also someone else we went to college was there as well and it's like well, don't ruin Lauren, it for yeah. them Laura and I so it's like don't ruin it for her don't ruin it for people don't be a cunt in hindsight I just just snuck snuck out and went to the bar yeah and waited mm-hmm. I could so easily have done that but for some reason I was like no I have to stay to the end and sort of you know give the film and the musical the respect but honestly the whole time I was thinking I could just set myself a bit on fire <laughs> so that has always been my relationship with him although as I say I don't watch musicals very much but we watched Hamilton and as I'm saying because there's so much information about the historical events that happened it sort of made sense to me and I actually quite liked having all that information given to me in song which was performed fucking amazingly by all of them I actually really enjoyed it and so when it came to musical week again I was like right well something from Hamilton what am I going to pick and there's probably a lot more impressive songs well there are a lot more impressive songs in the soundtrack considering like the raps and things that he writes that are all have all this information in them but they're so fucking well written they have this linguistic dexterity that is fucking beyond my imagination it's so fucking good I've learned uh, Guns and Ships off by heart there you go kind of one of the, th- the French guy yeah I were talking about that uh, earlier yeah. Yeah. but I don't know the song I, don't, I only know this song from. <laughs> so the reason I chose this is because it's just the one that stuck in my mind and I've been singing it ever since I watched it I've been singing it a lot I learned to play it on the guitar it's quite easy we just sung it uh, Becky and I have been singing it quite a lot and so I just chose that and apologies for that being a very long rambling explanation of basically nothing but, <laughs> but other than that so what did you think about the song? other than that <laughs> I, think, I think the song out with the musical context is just a fucking great song mm-hmm. I mean it would never be like a chart song it would never it doesn't sound like it would it would be released on just like a, an album Yeah. but I feel like if it was it would be as warmly what's the word I'm looking for received received it would be as warmly received because it's just so much fun it's just so good mm. and the guy who plays Mad King George who was in um, an episode of Glee that Becky's been watching and I've been sort of there while she's watching it and Jonathan Groff appeared in an episode of Glee and I went oh it's him <laughs> yes. I went oh it's George and then I went what has she done to me? <laughs> what have I become? But I don't. I don't feel like it's a digression at all. I feel like I just. I, I do kind of want to appreciate musicals more than I do. Do you have anything else to say about the song? Yes, I do. Uh, the, one, the one. The one point where I'm not going to try and replicate it now, but his voice gets. Is this half an hour? I've been speaking about this. Uh, twenty-five. Shit. Right. Can I get a beer before you start? But I need to yeah. pee and another beer. Yeah, we'll so. finish this song and then. Right. We'll so get... there's there's a bit where he's his singing goes really high. Yeah, and it sounds like it's auto tune, but it's not. It's just him. What a fucking geezer! Aye, and apparently he's an exceptionally good-looking man. Mm. Have you seen a picture of him? Well, I've, I've seen him, and I've seen him in Glee, but I didn't think much of him. And then, <laughs> then Becky went, "Oh my god, he's so cute, he's so beautiful." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no, he's a stunning man." And singing lovely. adds point two, and least. also he spits on his chin. <laughs> which drives me mental <laughs> when watching it on YouTube like or watching it on Disney like he's, when he's singing he spits in his chin and I've seen it back he, he's fucking slavered on his chin and she went I think that's like a, an acting choice because he's mental yeah so I'm hoping that's true and not he just spits in his chin I'll get into that later 
Spectacular. Anyway, I'm sorry. Spectacular. Spectacular. I'll say some things then, Liam, could go into that whole... Because he told me earlier about the whole spitting thing. And I get it. I've never watched the film on Disney Plus yet. I've never seen Hamilton. I never got into the craze of it. I didn't really... I listened to the soundtrack and sort of knew it was good, but it wasn't my thing at the time. I don't know. I was a lot younger when I actually listened to it. I haven't listened to it in a long time. I'm excited to watch it and see because I'll probably fall in love with it. And I think it was sort of... It was almost similar to, like, how uh, you, Jim, felt with, like, Biffy Clyro and all that, where you're like, nah, fuck off. Oh, you like Hamilton? Yeah, well, I fucking like the last five years. What are you on about? Like, that's better. <laughs> but it's, like, this song spectacular the guy's voice Jonathan Croft's voice is amazing and when you listen to it best thing about it and it's down to uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's writing and uh, composing as much as it is to Jonathan Groff is the amount of different musical voices he goes through same musical voices like there's certain distinctive types of way of singing that you'd associate with a musical so you've got like your speak singing recitative sort of thing you've got like your sort of very high sort of singing going on you've got your sort of um more sort of floaty sort of dancey sort of shit going on there's a lot of different ways in the in like the first minute of this song he goes through four of them and i was just i was listening to it going holy shit and i was walking around counting how many times he changed what he did and i had to listen back to it to realize it but it's just spectacular the guy's voice is amazing he's fine in frozen i think frozen's fine it's not the best thing but he's got a good voice and he does his thing on it and then you watch him in this and you go man this guy can he's got it 100%. and he deserves everything he's got because he's so bloody talented and this will come up again when I speak about my track about a guy who deserves it because they're just so bloody talented about what they do um, but yeah it's just a good song to listen to it's nice interesting because when I remember listening to the Hamilton soundtrack the first time I must have just totally missed this song so it was all the rap speak singing sort of thing and there was no variation and I think that bugged me a bit but realistically I must have just switched off at this bit or something like that because <laughs> it was nice to hear something that was like and and hear the different styles of song that were written throughout the musical I just think it's fantastic it's a great pick it's a great song I'm going to watch it at some point I haven't yet I will Please do. everyone who's listening to this all 20 of you if you're not I'm going to do it the first note I had down was this musical is the kind of thing Mark Corrigan would have a big issue with. It's got all the his history there, <laughs> but he'd be annoyed that there was music along with it. Got you. You'd rather <laughs> see a six-hour-long epic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I used to have a very big taste, uh, big distaste for Hamilton. Uh, like you said, I didn't hear much vari variation through all the tracks because uh, Louise would always play the tracks, and I just I didn't get it. Yeah, um, and I was just like, "Oh, they're just doing this thing, and it's supposed to be new and all yeah. that." Uh, why are they charging two hundred pounds for a ticket? Uh, which I still have that gripe, but but now that I've seen it, like actually play out, I still don't get why you would pay two hundred. But I I, I kind of would if it was the only seat that was left, and I wanted to have like a proper like good night out seeing it. I definitely probably would. Dude, people paid two hundred quid for each part of the cursed child. There were two parts of the Cursed Child that J.K. Rowling wrote, okay, and folk paid two hundred pounds each for that. So this is was that a musical? No, no, no. Oh. That was just J.K. Rowling eking the fuck out of Harry Potter. Was that a play? Yeah, yeah two oh, plays. no, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah no. dude, what? Aye, 
400 quid. Aye. 400 yeah. quid. Aye. You could buy a car, you could set on fire for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. But Hamilton, yes, I, I, I would. Um, yeah, obviously now, after seeing the show, I just think it's fucking amazing. Mm. Everybody... Yeah, so the the word everybody that he does within the recording that we've been listening to is different than the one that's on the recording for the actual live one. Right. And I'm going to mention this guy in a wee bit, but so so he was talking about how when he says everybody. In the soundtrack, it's kind of like everybody, but in every uh, in the actual live one, I'm rambling right now. Christ, um, basically, it's it's almost like it was Jonathan Groth that chose to do this on the night, but he was just commanding them all to come in. Oh, so they incorporated that into the actual show, but he just came up with it on the night. Yeah, on on the night on for the for the recording, he decided to do it like that. And that's, that's what ace. made it in. Yeah. That's ace. Every time he says that, I just want to sing We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so Jonathan Groff made that call on the night and they went with it and it works fucking brilliantly. Mm. Yeah, so I was watching a reaction channel and I think it's, um, I can't remember his name right now, something Patrick Daniels, Mark Patrick Daniels, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and he talks about all the kind of different stuff behind this character like the spitting thing that you mentioned apparently this is all based on the mad king george who was the king at the time when american was, uh, america were going over there and all that and he would foam at the mouth when he was like shouting and talking to people so that's to do with that uh, also the da da das are basically just nonsense words to show that he is the mad king mm-hmm. so his 16 bars are just like absolute nonsense words um, yeah, that's the most memorable part of the song yeah mm-hmm. and it's all just reflecting that he is just the Mad King George mm. and what we were speaking about earlier right telling a character through their me song without like sh- like pushing it in your face mm-hmm. that mm. brilliant writing perfect yeah excellent and yeah overall it's just a fucking good fun song and it's the one that sticks in your head yeah, yeah. and it's kind of annoying that because when I was listening to when I was watching it and then obviously Becky has it playing all the time mm-hmm. so like when I listen to some of the raps you go god that that is so well crafted like not just well crafted just like melodically or anything like that it's like mm-hmm. the amount of work in words yeah. and things that are being expressed within it are yeah. so fucking tight and amazing I feel yeah. like I should have put one of those up but uh, fuck off I'm putting that one up <laughs> I've done it already. Can you imagine if we had this in 26 other songs to speak about? <laughs> Fuck me. I know, I'm, really, I'm really sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. Anyway, thank you for listening to Alternative Tuna this week. Um, it's <laughs> been a good laugh. Pause it. I'm choking on a fag. <laughs> right. How do we normally end these segments? Well, we've still got two more songs to speak about. Oh, yeah, so. there is that. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean. Right, we're back. Yes. We literally back. All right, Liam, what's your musical track this week? Oh no, I dropped a pen. Nah, that's all good. Oh no, I dropped a pen. <laughs> when will I get it? Right, Jim, we just spent half an hour. 
Just singing. <laughs> Liam, what's your track? The track I got this week for uh, round one is Movie In My Mind from Miss Saigon soundtrack. It's stunning. But it's also, if you know the context, and I don't know if you guys knew the context when you were listening to it, it's it's kind of difficult listening. Um, it's basically these two girls from different um, kind of points in their lives and different backgrounds that are talking about how they're trying to forget what is happening to them, not only physically, but politically and emotionally, within this uh, brothel, basically. It's mm-hmm. mid-Vietnam War, when all the American soldiers are over there, and the main character, which is the second female voice, this girl that was just found out in the streets during all the riots and all that, and she's just been brought in by this uh, guy and promised a better life, with quotation marks. So, yeah, it's, 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 very, it's very emotionally charged from the outset. Yeah, so you've got one of these women who's in a been in that position for quite a while, and they're all fighting for the title of Miss Saigon, which is the best woman of the night, with a promise that they can maybe potentially go to America with a hu- an American husband. And then you've got this other woman who's been pawned off as a virgin and the most expensive girl of the night. It's horrible. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking. It's rough. I think. Emotionally, this song hits every every nail on the head. It's beautifully done. And then in the second bit, when this, the the main girl is singing, you've got this chorus of other girls who are all the other girls who are working also in that brothel, uh, just chiving in. And it's just it's just quite sad. And then you've also got all these soundtrack elements, which give you this kind of like feel of Vietnam, like the different instruments that are used. Where you've got the little kind of twangy kind of, I don't know what instruments they are to be honest. Could be a guitar, could be a sitar, something yeah, like that. Which then give you a feeling of the like the surrounding area and all that which this based in. And so you've got this entire first bit which is just beautiful, melodical and just um heartbreaking. And then you've got the second bit of the track, which totally juxtaposes it, which is what you're seeing and what the American soldiers are seeing when they're over there and just having fun at a bar and going back with all these girls. And then you hear this bit that's it's just uh, it's just a little talking bit in between, where one of the American soldiers is telling the their pimp basically to have a bit of class and hands him a cigar, and it's totally jarring. But again, very difficult to know the context if you're just listening to it. But as a song, it's just oddly stunning. Yeah, man. I mean, it's very powerful, isn't it? It's very emotive from the outset, you know, and the vocals in it tell you that. It's quite interesting when she sort of goes down into these more sort of, I'd almost go vibrational sort of singing. Yeah. You call that recitative, mm-hmm. which is basically this sort of idea of speak singing, which is used heavily in Limes, for instance, mm-hmm. where they sort of, when they're. Buy a shout. <laughs> when they're talking, but they're singing at mm-hmm. the same time, and you get a bit of this into that. But it's very good. I've never been much into Miss Saigon either, to mm-hmm. be honest. And. I don't know, I've listened to the soundtrack but I've never seen it to contextualise it and I think that's probably the issue with it you know, like I can get the songs are very good but I've never watched the fucking thing Yeah. Um, but yeah, this song, powerful emotive and quite stunning her vocals are mm-hmm. top drawer and that's all you need to say about it A uh, little bit of information that I got uh, when me and Louise watched the 25th anniversary one, the guys who made Miss Saigon also made La Mis and it was on the first run of Le Mis when their producer came over and they were just like, oh, we've got another musical for you, as they were on their first run. And he's just like, yeah, all right. Gave it to them. And it was Miss Saigon. 
Fair enough. At least it wasn't Andrew Lloyd fucking Webber. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's shit. <laughs> Is that another beef to go? Yeah, I'll beef it. If Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> and Tyler the Creator <laughs> ever do a diss track to me together, it'll be awful. <laughs> but they'll have done it, so a lot of people will probably be happy. So it works twofold. Uh, Jim, what do you think about this track? Yeah, so I just got great voice and I put quite funny lyrics. <laughs> now, I don't mean the harrowing stuff at the start. I mean the second half that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I don't mean... I, I don't think any, anything about the situation these characters are in is funny. But when I was listening to it, it does feel like there's a bit of tongue-in-cheek about it because that's a good way to fight against oppression. Now, I could be construed this completely wrong I don't understand or know what the situation of the play is you've just outlined it to me but I do feel like there was a bit within it within the lyrics that was attacking the people what was making things bad (laughs) 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 for no you know don't want to get myself fucking saying something stupid but I I don't because I don't understand it but when I was listening to it I felt like there was a bit of pace taking out of the situation they were in there is there's a lot of that and that comes through the character the engineer who is the pimp and he is the character who's like the kind of anti-hero and everything he does mm. is bad but then he's also the funny one he also helps some of the girls as well and as like he play he plays himself off as their hero yeah so again i don't understand i don't know the story of the musical at all or anything like that but i felt like there was a bit of humour in some deli- in the darkness yeah. there was a bit of humour in yeah, it which is always which is always which is always great to be honest it's, it, it highlights the stupidity or the ridiculousness or the folly of the people that are placing people in this sense of oppression a good way to get back at that is to make fun of them and be playful I don't know if that's what was going on because I don't know the story but that was it and other than that I've got two other notes one no drums which is a quite a common theme in musicals mm-hmm. there aren't any drums really mm-hmm. going on do you have any insight into why that is or I, 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 I can't I don't know I, I can't think enough right now to even justify that with a yes that's a good generalisation <laughs> no I'm not saying like in, I'm not saying every like I'm, but you know when you think of musical numbers you, you don't think of drums being a part of it and when you listen to this there aren't any drums in it when they're singing but I'm not saying oh he needs drums Yeah. but I'm just saying it's quite interesting that something that I'm is I'm just trying to think about all the other musicals no it's, like, it's really interesting because I can't think of a musical well you think of like a big drums. a big musical number like drums really aren't a part of it but the, at the, all the main, the main ones that I'm thinking of now I can't remember if there are drums in them if there is drums in them if there are they'll probably just be like you know the very backing things, yeah. 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 But like drums never play. Well, they don't never. The Green Day musical definitely has drums. Well, that's, <laughs> a, that's a different subject. But like musicals in general don't have drums as a big part of it, and that's actually really interesting because you, you don't miss them. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm listening to this song, the only reason I noted it was because I was thinking there's no drums in this. But if there were, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make it any better. It would detract from yeah. the singing because yeah. yeah. it's purely the melody and the singing. And the emotion they're trying to portray within that. Yeah. So if there was any drums, that would detract from it. And yeah. uh, absolutely, that, that was quite well, interesting. Maybe it's just what you said that it would detract from the melodic sort of style of the singing and all that. That would the drumming would take away from that. 
Yeah. I know there are probably drums that you, but you don't notice them as much as you would say in like a regular sort of song, yeah. if you like. Yeah, well, even in the, well, the last, a, the, the one that you put up, it, which is we're discussing next, there's a bit of drums in that, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But the one before it, there wasn't any, yeah. really. There was a wee bit of percussion towards the end, but not much. And that, I just found that interesting. Yeah. And the last uh, note I made was that musicals, I feel like, are the perfect place to talk about, you know, like to craft songs that are about oppression and about feeling, mm-hmm. you know, being put down upon, which is kind of a lacklustre term, but, you know, when you're being, I can't think of a word right now, um, thingied against, oppressed, really, oppressed. When you're yeah. being oppressed, or yeah. if there's injustices put upon you just for being you, I feel like musicals are probably one of the best places to, yeah, express that and bring people together about. Well, they're that inherently sort of like, uh, like you walk into a musical and you're already empathetic. Yeah. 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 So um, interesting. But other than that, I mean, I think you mentioned before, and I didn't mention this. Uh, well, you, you did mention it like about the range that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like both these girls are fucking going low and then extremely high without breaking a sweat. Oh, it's incredible. Same with uh, Groff in the last song. Huh? Yeah, range. Same with Jeremy in the next song. Like, yeah. there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of folk who do musicals who have this incredible range. You have to do it in one song. Yeah. And you're like, how the fuck are you managing to do this? Because if I go high, then I'm struggling to get back down low sometimes because my voice is going up there and I'm like, I need to get down there or I can't get, you know? Yeah. And that's the difference in non-musical songs. Like, you could take an indie grunge singer, for example, who can't sing, mm-hmm. but can make a great song. But musical singers, they need to be on fucking point. And they're mm-hmm. so fucking good I've got to say they're underrated they're underrated in my world because I don't listen to them very mm-hmm. much but when I listen to them I'm like fucking hell <laughs> that's unreal if if half the bands I listen to had that level of singer in them yeah they wouldn't be as good yeah they'd be worse the, the guy that I was talking about earlier the, the musical theatre um, reactor guy um, he also always brings up the importance of not just saying the songs but acting through the songs yeah and that ability is far, far more like, extensive, like in these guys, than you'll see anywhere else. Like it's like yeah. prime example, mm-hmm. Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. one of the greatest songwriters, one of the greatest singers of all time. Mm-hmm. You put him in a musical, he's fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You put the woman that sung this song, mm-hmm. sing a country song. Yeah. It'll be fucking amazing. Yeah. But it won't have that essence to it yeah and I think that's quite an interesting parallel yeah. to draw but we won't spend too much time on it because I'll ramble no and uh, like just to finish that off a bit the whole sort of performative idea of singing your song uh-huh. that's where you get your best front men and bands from yeah your best front men don't just sing the song they perform along with it look at even Alex Turner for the instance uh, oh and um, bloody James Graham from the Twilight Sad yeah you know these guys are fucking they feel the music and they perform along with it and that's what makes a great frontman who might not necessarily need to play an instrument whereas if you've got like people who are singing and playing they don't need that because they've got the guitar to hide behind they can play along with that and that's fine that's why I fucking play a guitar when I play live because I can't do that the yeah. way that the justice that good frontmen or good uh, or women sorry good frontmen or women 
or uh, lead singers in musicals and shit like that do yeah. like I can't because that's just another level you need to do and you need to get rid of this self consciousness of being out there just by yourself and embrace the character that you're playing yeah. and there's a character in front men as much as there is in musicals which is just fantastic to watch and if someone does it well they do it fucking amazingly well yeah nailed it so my song um, getting deep I love it it's mm-hmm. good yeah this is all we need we, do, we only need three songs in alternative <laughs> tune apparently that's right, a, what's your next song mate uh, my song is moving too fast from the musical the last five years I fucking love this musical it's a very interesting way they tell the story so basically you start with these two characters a husband and wife and the whole story tells their five year of their relationship and you have I believe it's the wife at the start of the relationship and the husband at the end of the relationship at the start of this musical and they sort of cross the stage and meet each other in a middle point and then go their other ways and it's all about the breakdown of this relationship where one of them's going from the point where they were so in love to the point where they're out of love and the other person doing the exact opposite of it and it's a very beautiful way of telling a story and it works so well in the actual context of the musical and the film's alright as well and I chose this song from the film version as opposed to the original stage version because I think Jeremy Jordan sings the song better than the guy from the original version. Um, But I have a lot of time for Jeremy Jordan. I think he's a fucking fantastic singer. I think he can connect every note and he's got such a range on him that's just fantastic. Um, In this song, the reason I put it up, because I wanted to put up a song from the last five years because it's probably one of my favourites, if not my favourite musical and uh, this song just has so many movements throughout it you start off with this sort of like quite upbeat almost jazzy number going into a bit of sort of like um, moving with the music down into this sort of ballady sort of style going on and then you jump back up to another sort of more upbeat musical number and it's just incredible how it's composed and uh, Jeremy Jordan in this song sings it so fucking well the bit where he like goes down with the music and sort of jumps down this sort of oh no get on the train do whatever it takes to stop this game and stuff like that it's just it's a fantastic wee slide down and then he goes right back up and sings this amazing power ballad almost style thing it's just it's stunning I think this musical is amazing and if you're not familiar with it go and look it up and like try and figure it out because it's fucking so underrated for what it does it should be one of it should be up there with your you know the ones that are played all the time like your greases and your annies and all that but it's so much better than them because they're not that good at the end of the day mm-hmm. <laughs> i hate them but like, not really it's got some good tunes in it mm-hmm. but as a musical it's pretty shit um but i think this this deserves to get so much more than it does and it's just amazingly sang the different movements in it are fucking outstanding and I just I love it and I love Jeremy Jordan's way of singing it and the way he does it and the passion and the emotion you get in it this is all about him realising his ambitions and getting there quicker than he felt that he would and sort of his whole character flaws that he plays into his ambition too much forgets his wife and starts going off with other women and just sort of gets lost in his work to be a writer meanwhile his wife's a failing actress and you sort of have this changeover and he does so well and this is him going is it happening too fast what is everything you know all this is coming to me do i deserve this well fuck yeah i do 
and just going forward he's a very flawed character but I think this song sort of it's his me song this is him but it portrays it to you without pushing it in your face as well which I quite like which is what we discussed earlier so yeah it's a great song what do you guys think I'm going to go first Liam oh well can I jump in there before you do your bit about this song okay I now want you because you do your whole you take stuff and then you make it like into now times for your unique kind of shit that you do describe that better what I take stuff and make it into my now yeah, like time. you like you're doing for your dissertation and shit. Things. You adapt things. That's the word I was looking for. You know, you do your adaptions. I want you to adapt Greece, but keep the same soundtrack, but just make the actual story better. Oh, I don't want to <laughs> try. Do it. Yeah, all right. Or we'll kill your family. <laughs> yeah, I go for it. <laughs> anyway, right. So continue. Yeah. No, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, basically, I just want to get my notes out of the way so Liam can talk about this. So my notes are. Enjoyed it. Great vocal range. Descending notes are incredible. You know what he actually was yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. It goes down the scale. It's just fucking incredible. Then the key changes are amazing. And I realise I say amazing like that a lot. But I mean it. Was like, it you that started that, by the way? I think it might have been. I don't know. So I started doing it. But like, just... just Because just, I listened to it a few times. I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's a beautiful song. I like it. But I listen to it more. And it's just they, like the key changes. It just goes up and up and up, and it's like they they don't miss a beat. It's it's spellbinding. It's yeah. fucking amazing, and that's all I have to say for it. Liam, <laughs> yeah, this is very fun. He's an ace singer. Um, a little bit of almost kind of Tim Minchin piano playing going on in the background, and I really enjoyed that. I've never seen this music or listened to the soundtrack, so it was quite interesting listening to this. The build up just keeps going and it kind of culminates in a stunning kind of like high note with some ace piano playing going on and then it comes in with a, a it says tally bit but that's not what I meant to write down <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll, you'll be able to work out from what, what I'm about, uh, about to say uh, it comes in with a bit that uh, gives me the same feeling as Mean Green Mother from Little Shop of Horrors I don't know what tally means still but that that kind of it's it's the same feeling that I get from yeah. listening to those two songs. I cannot like out of the alt tuna stuff. If I can recommend an album personally, mm-hmm. just listen to this. Mm-hmm. Listen to this soundtrack because it's stunning. The original soundtrack's good. I love the movie soundtrack more just because I think Jeremy Jordan nails it. Um, Anna Kendrick's the other voice on it and she's got quite a good voice as well it's it's a brilliant musical the soundtrack's <laughs> worth it if you can get the film somewhere do it because it's good as well but go and see the stage version if you can as well because mm-hmm. you're fucking out of this world enjoy it thanks for listening to our musical stuff let's go to the next one Chinaboo skish skish <laughs> belush motherfuckers <laughs> 